the older I get and the more I come to know Jesus's voice, I really hear his tenderness and mm. his compassion wow. for me. And, yeah. and that he was also man and he endured every temptation known to man. Mm-hmm. And, and so he can identify with us in our struggles and that actually our shame, the reasons why we think we're not good enough or we should be separated from community like he, that was also crucified on the cross with him. Right. Like that was put to death on the cross right. with him too. And so yeah. Jesus, if he has all this compassion, you know, and, and he, he looks at me and he says, you are worthy, you are loved, you are my child, no matter what. Who am I to be like, no, 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 God, I'm going to exile myself some more. I'm going to mm. keep myself, w- withdraw from community more, right. you know. Yeah. And so I've learned, like, I can't earn it. I right. can't, I don't deserve it. Right. But Jesus, you took my shame, not just my sin, but my shame on the cross and, and yeah. it's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Be One, Make One, a discipleship podcast. This is a show where we share stories and tools to equip everyday followers of Jesus to make disciples. On every episode, I have a conversation with someone whose life reflects Jesus' command to go and make disciples. It can be tough to know what to tell someone when they come to you with mental health struggles. Most of us feel unqualified, but maybe supporting others may not be as complicated as we thought. On this episode, we talk with Alice about what it looks like to help people with mental health issues. All right, Alice, thanks for being here today with us. (laughs) I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. Thanks for inviting me to be here. Yeah. So how would you define mental health? I'd say that mental health is one's emotional, psychological, and social well-being. So all of that, all those factors, Mm -hmm. they can impact um, like the decisions that one makes, um, how one engages in relationships, their behaviors, how they react during stressful times. All of that is, I think, encompassed in mental health. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. So it's not necessarily, so mental health is kind of a it can be kind of misleading because it's not purely right. like a mental psychological thing. Yeah. But it's yeah. all encompassing. Socio emotional, mm-hmm. mental, all yes. Yeah. All encompassing. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so what's what's kind of been your journey with that? I know this is something that's been pretty important to you. So at what point yeah, when did it when did you feel like this started to really be something you cared about? Yeah. Well, I came in I went into college. Gosh, it's been uh it's been twenty one years since I started college. You're kidding. I know. 21 crazy. years. 21 years. It's crazy. <laughs> um, so I know like we're, we're at a summer training program for college kids right now. Nestus Park is beautiful. And, and some of them were not born when I started college. So <laughs> it just trips me out so bad. Um, but well. going, when I first went and transferred to the University of California in Irvine, uh, I was in a pretty low mental health state. I had just come out of the hospital for an eating disorder, anorexia nervosa, and I was swung over the other way into binge eating. I was pretty, I just put on 40 pounds. And so, you know, for an anorexic, that's really devastating, but it's good for my health, my physical health, because it was really dangerous um, otherwise. Um, Yeah, and so it was really, really low. Hmm. Just really depressed, really anxious, 
a lot of OCD tendencies and stuff. I just have a whole sure. nice mix of <laughs> mental health right. history here. Right. But this is, this is where I was at when I first came in to the University of California in Irvine and transferred as a sophomore. And um, I'd been to a lot of been through a lot of therapy at that point, inpatient therapy, intensive outpatient, day treatment, um, nutrition counseling, group counseling, and and all of those things. They were good, mm-hmm. but they didn't. Um, it wasn't hitting. Like, I, I, after I'd finished treatment, I'd be like, okay, now how do I go back to my eating disorder ways? You know, right? Um, there was something deeper that was missing. And so when I went to UCI, I, <laughs> my fellowship back at the University of Illinois, that was where I did my freshman year of college. Um, it was like a really, really cool ministry, really like emotional worship, like big revivals and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so when I was in the crowds during a revival time, you know, singing songs to God. I felt like I'm so close to God. But then when I was like back in my dorm room alone, I mm. felt like I don't know. Right. God feels as far as the stars in the sky, you know, like I don't yeah. know him anymore. And so when I went to Irvine, I knew I wanted to find the least sexy Christian group possible. <laughs> nice. <laughs> navigator the navigators I, <laughs> I knew that i just i needed to know god hmm. i just needed to know god because all mm-hmm. these emotions like i don't trust my emotions like they're fleeting one second i'm right. high one second i'm low and just especially where i was at mentally emotionally uh, psychologically i just needed something steadying and anchoring and right so i found the navigators and they were really i knew they were really Big on the word. We're going to go deep in the word. But Mm -hmm. I didn't know that they were big on disciple making then. But even just in that first year before I was discipled, just being around people who really, really authentically loved Jesus and Mm. they wanted to know him. Like I learned how to have a quiet time. I learned how to walk with Jesus on my own. And at the end of that year, like all these eating disorder things, like obsessive compulsive things that I, I would get caught up in, I noticed that I was doing them less. Hmm. I was experiencing this freedom in God sure. just by knowing him more, you hmm. know, like really, really knowing him more. Right. Now, I this is really tricky, Ethan, um, mm-hmm. because like, so I don't know if you know, do you know I'm a therapist? Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. All right. Yes. <laughs> Another reason why we thought you'd be great for the pod. Yes, I am a licensed <laughs> marriage and family therapist. So I would never counsel somebody to like, if they were in my situation, it was just really nuanced, you know? So sure, I would never totally. say like, only go spiritual alone right. and that's it. You know, you need yeah definitely professional help in all these different arenas, but right. Yeah, that's that's a little bit of yeah. my story. Yeah. So when you are um, discipling someone that, you know, mental issues come up, whether mm-hmm. it's eating disorders, addictions, that kind of thing, how do you recommend someone that isn't a therapist <laughs> yeah. engage that? You know, I, I think that as somebody is sharing their struggles or their sin, I think um, the, the the thing that the enemy uses often is shame to keep people in the dark, right? You know, like shame, we see it all the way back in the Garden of Eden, right? <laughs> from um, Adam and Eve, when they ate from the tree, uh, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, their eyes were opened and they saw that they were naked and they saw right. that it was bad or they mm. concluded that it was bad. And so what do mm-hmm. they do? 
they hid themselves. Right. And so I think that there's so much power that shame has. And especially today, I'm, I'm observing more uh, shame and fear of sharing oneself, really, really being vulnerable with other people hmm. in our technology-driven, technology-heavy world, right? Yeah. Um, things, everything social, um, so much of our social interactions are behind phones now that it's really easy to put forth an image of yourself. Totally. Uh, and never really share it yourself. So I think as somebody is sharing, back to your question on sin or a struggle to hold it with openness, you know, like just, mm. just hold space for it, you know, even right. if you don't know what to do next, just to hold space for it and to like give it, um, let it know that it, that it's safe to come out into the open. Mm -hmm. It's safe to be exposed. Right. Cause I think our gut reaction can be make it go away, fix it, just sure. fix it. And, totally. and that, can often trigger a shame response, I think, mm -hmm. you know? So I think just starting off with, uh, you know, thanks for, thanks for sharing. I know that's really hard. Yeah. And, 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 and if you can relate, share that, how you can relate, you know, right. but I think just holding space mm. for really hard stories, really hard confessions, really hard sins and struggles, um, it is really, really important to not scare it back into this hiding shame space. Yeah. 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 I think what you said about shame is so profound. Mm -hmm. um, I think I've learned that shame, guilt can be, I did something bad. Yeah. That's kind of the feeling where shame is, I am something bad. Yeah, totally. And that can be such a, even now, even though I've experienced so much freedom in my life mm -hmm. um, and healing through a lot of relationships and time with the Lord, it can still show up sometimes. Yeah. And it's still For a sure. constant constant battle for me mm -hmm. um so i'd be curious to hear from you alice what when 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 you're faced with your own shame mm -hmm. still in life how how do you cope with that how do you work through that now gosh oh that's such a good question i, I you know i really resonate with the story of the samaritan woman in john four hmm. you know the samaritan woman who everybody knew like everybody knew her history she had seven husbands and the one that she was with is not currently her husband, you know? And, and so she was, went out to go draw water in the heat of the day. She was by herself. I, I would guess that she was a shameful woman. Like, you know, mm -hmm. either her community let her know it or she knew it and she sure. removed herself from community because shame, right. it's very community based. It's like, there's something mm. wrong with me. And the result is usually I'm going to therefore hide or I'm going to remove myself from community. Um, and, and so just Jesus's interaction with her, like, yeah, you're right. You have, no, you don't have a husband. You've had seven and the man right. you're living with isn't like, he saw her shame. He mm -hmm. saw the parts that made her messy and that made her hide from community, but he still offered her this living water. He still offered her this place on the table. And so at the table and in his kingdom, and that was so radical. I just, right. I love Jesus for that yeah. reason. Totally. So when when I feel caught in this shame, I, I I've been reflecting a lot about the compassion that Jesus has for us. Hmm. I used to think of Jesus's voice like Asian dad voice, like why did you do? You know, why did you sure. believe? Or like right. why did you do it? But but the older I get and the more I come to know Jesus's voice, I really hear his tenderness and mm. his compassion. Wow for me and yeah. and that he was also 
man and he endured every temptation known to man. Mm -hmm. And, and so he can identify with us in our struggles and that actually our shame, the reasons why we think we're not good enough or we should be separated from community. Like that was also crucified on the cross with him. Right. That was put to death on the cross right. with him too. And so yeah. Jesus, if he has all this compassion, you know, and, and he, he looks at me and he says, you are worthy, you are loved, you are my child, no matter what, who am I to be like, no, 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 God, I'm going to exile myself some more. I'm going to mm. keep myself, w- withdraw from community more, right. you know? Yeah. And so I've learned like, I can't earn it. I can't, right. I don't deserve it. Right. But Jesus, you took my shame, not just my sin, but my shame on the cross and, and yeah. it's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as, as you think about, um, people that are listening, mm-hmm. what, 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 what advice would you give them mm-hmm. as far as maybe they're listening and they're like aware of like, okay, I need, something's got to change mm-hmm. if I'm going to be healthy. Mm-hmm. What's maybe, what would be like one or two things you'd be like, try to implement these things into your life. Ooh. I, I think, um, it is so easy to try to do it alone or, or mm. we can chicken out on our own. If, if I'm thinking, I don't think I'm my best self. I don't think I'm doing so well. Um, I can feel that and then, and then convince myself out of telling somebody or asking mm. for help or seeking the help and just really, okay, I'm just gonna slug it out and power through even though that is not the best thing. That hasn't worked so far. It's not gonna work and resolve whatever the issue is. So I think committing to share with somebody who is safe Hmm. first, I don't think I'm doing well. Mm -hmm. I think I might need some help. I think that helps that that is a great first step because now you have somebody else as a sounding board and somebody to hold you to your commitment. Somebody else looking Mm. out for your well-being too. Right. When you might not, because we're so good at putting ourselves last and our needs last for the sake of other people. And so now you got mm. somebody else who's also kind of keeping, keeping right. on you to yeah, take care now of it's out there. Yourself. <laughs> yeah. Now, now it's out there. Um, but I think first thing, just yeah. sharing with somebody, I, I don't think I'm doing well. Yeah. I think I'm struggling and maybe even identifying somebody who, um, who is doing well in the area that you think that you're not doing well in or mm. who you feel like can identify with your, area of struggle, I, I think that's, that can be helpful because mm-hmm. then you have somebody who's walked through it, who can maybe walk you through it as you walk with Jesus and yeah. you can do it together. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say, okay, so from a clinical therapy point of view, um, just it, it, there, are, there are signs that could be, um, troubling, concerning, you know, like if, if you're just not experiencing the same pleasure in, in things that you used to, you know, activities, you don't want to be with anybody, you know, and you want to isolate. And that's not like you usually like to be around people. If you're sleeping more, sleeping less, anxious, all, you know, all, all these things. If those, um, things that are kind of disrupting your life and that, and that it's disrupting, it's causing impairment in your life. Um, if those, symptoms last for longer than a few weeks, then, then it could be really 
helpful to go see a doctor or a psychiatrist mm-hmm. to talk about those symptoms. Because sure. sometimes it's just a passing. I had an off week and after sure. one week, okay, I think I'm okay. But if it, if it lasts longer than two or three weeks, then, then I would consider seeking help. And if you think you're going to chicken out, then get somebody to get on you to make sure <laughs> you have an appointment. Because there are some things, you know, like I mentioned in my story, my story is really unique in that, uh, or not, I don't know if it's unique, but, but Jesus, you know, like he, he healed me and he freed me from a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, because, because some of my roots issue was lack of worth, lack of value. And, and that was found in Christ, you know, as I got to know him more, but there also have been seasons where I have needed therapy and therapy has been so helpful or I have gone on meds and meds Mm -hmm. have been so helpful. Like there are physiological imbalances Mm -hmm. that require actual intervention, you know, that Mm -hmm. just praying away, Jesus can do it, but doesn't mean that he will, you know? And and so there are times where we do, we should be seeking out uh, professional help. Yeah. Just in our, in our mental health and wellness. If, if we're really struggling. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've been talking about therapy, and thanks for just saying that, that mm-hmm. professional therapy is sometimes really needed and it's super valuable. Mm-hmm. I've experienced that myself. Yeah. But I think the American church in particular kind of has a ambivalent relationship with, yeah. with therapy. It mm-hmm. can, some people love it, some people hate it, some people think it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, extra biblical or outside of the ways that God would work. Um, So yeah, how would you encourage people that are wrestling with that kind of tension? Oh man, you know, the way that I kind of think about it is like Jesus, he's created God. He, he's, he's the word, you know, he's created all knowledge and Mm -hmm. all wisdom, you know, everything that is out there in the medical field, in the psychological field, that is all knowledge and wisdom that God has put in these men and women to bless with best practices. I think, um, for, for fear of maybe turning off some of the, the listeners, I think that there's sometimes there can be this arrogance that the church can handle it ourselves, you know, mm. uh, we, we can take care of it in house. Uh, but, but let me tell you, you know, for, so for example, um, like in, in a, in a case with child abuse or something, if a child is being abused and is found out by the church, a lot of times when a church tries to handle it internally, or you see this in the Catholic church, um, just with, um, when, when priests have molested right. young boys, yeah. um, they, they try to handle it internally. Like, and, and, and in handling it internally, it's like, okay, well, forgiveness first, you know, because it's from the Bible, forgiveness. Mm-hmm. But like, yes, forgiveness, Jesus calls us to forgive, but Jesus also calls us to protect the vulnerable ones, you know, and he calls us to to move towards justice. And he calls us to bring the things that are in the darkness into the light, you mm. know. Uh, and so there, there are some things that I've observed as a, as a, licensed therapists that the church can do in the area of mental health um, that is actually quite dangerous for people. Like mm. a, a, a woman in a battered uh, battered woman situation, you know, battered spouse situation. Um, a lot of times churches will encourage you to like, they can encourage you to like stay in the relationship and, and work and continue to live with them. But their, their physical harm is 
Yeah, but their their physical well being is actually right. at stake there, exactly. yeah, and so any sure. therapist would be like, no, 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 separate, separate, um, the separate them. It doesn't mean divorce necessarily, but there's right. definitely professional work that needs to be done there. Right. That um, you know, that when a church council is like, no, stay together for the sake of you know the family unit. Sometimes separation is necessary, you know, for the sake of for the family unit. For the yeah. family unit, if we want a chance at restoring this family unit, we need and for the safety of kids and spouses. who have spouses, hmm. like, it's just it's necessary. Or or sometimes I think um, what the church can inadvertently do is to heap more shame on people who are struggling, right. you know, with hmm. depression. Just be joyful in the Lord always. Even right. he just gave a great devotional yesterday morning for our group here, just about lament and grief and how it's so not mainstream you know um we're taught and told to like when things are hard to but it's okay like everything is good god is good but but that that isn't necessarily helpful nor i don't i don't think it's necessarily biblical i think that there's so many spaces that hold god holds space for pain and our grief Mm -hmm. and our laments and um things being hard and not just you know I, i think there are things that you, it's not as simple as just praying it away. Right. So, yeah, um, yeah that, that's what I would say about mm-hmm. just this weird relationship with yeah. um, with mental health and, and mental health mm-hmm. services and the church. Yeah, I I agree with that 100%. And I feel like people that maybe feel that tension maybe misunderstand therapy. Mm-hmm. At least in my experience, it isn't so much that a therapist fixes my issue as mm-hmm. much as they help me really own mm-hmm. my process and yeah. own my problems mm-hmm. and they actually help me have some power mm-hmm. like some god-given power of like i can actually control yeah. i can learn to control my thoughts mm-hmm. i can learn to control what i do mm-hmm. with my body how yeah. i use it um and kind of like i think of the psalms mm-hmm. that like you said they hold space yeah. And the Psalms have been such a huge life giver to me mm-hmm. that just give me space to express my pain, mm-hmm. my anger, um, sadness, whatever it is, yeah. even joy, mm-hmm. you know? And I think therapy is a lot like that. Yeah. It's really just a space mm-hmm. where I can let all that out and own it. A confidential safe space yeah. to let it all out. Right. Yeah. I don't have to pretend or hide it. Yeah. And that all that helps me to one recognize that there's things I need to work on, yeah. but they give me the tools mm-hmm. to actually work on them. Yeah. And you, you couple that with the Holy Spirit's power. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And oh, it's so like, good. man, it's yeah. so good. So I think there's a huge misunderstanding of maybe what therapy is and isn't. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I think the church could really benefit by championing it more. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that there is great movement now in the church and moving towards embracing mental health services and therapy more. Um, yeah. but, but it's it's taken a little bit to get there. Yeah. yeah. B1 Make One is a production of The Navigators in Colorado Springs, Colorado. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, podcast at navigators.org. 